TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome into Loon Talk, the first edition of Loon Talk here on Score North, the Score North mobile app and scorenorth.com, anywhere you find your podcast, Loon Talk will be there. I am Jonathan Harrison, the host of Loon Talk. I am pleased to be joined by the voice of Minnesota soccer for 25 years, Chris Lidholm. Chris, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Jonathan. How are you? It's good to see you. It's good to see you again. Uh, it's been a while. I mean, the first the first time we met was, if people don't know, Chris was the first radio host for the radio broadcast. I'm now, the, I'm now in there for the second year as the radio host for the radio broadcast. So Chris kind of created the job that I now have. I was a producer for him for the first year. Right, yeah, you were my producer, yep. and uh, we kind of went through that year. We kinda, found our way through. Yeah, yeah, and hey, we hit our stride, and we did just fine. Yeah. The first couple weeks is a different story, <laughs> but, you know, hey, what the heck. There were some fun stories from yeah. that. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's, you know, memories, good old, good old <laughs> memories. So, yeah. yeah. And I was excited to work with you when I found out that you'd be doing it, knowing that you were the voice of Minnesota soccer for 25 years, so I was super pumped to work with you. Uh, yeah, you know, I relied on you from the standpoint of the uh, radio aspect of it mm-hmm. um, that was probably your mistake probably <laughs> uh, from that aspect for the fact being that that was my first radio job yeah. and going into it and I will for always be grateful uh, to yourself for just kind of helping me and explaining the radio part of it and whatnot and then uh, Brad Lane for you know trusting me yep. to be uh, behind the mic at that time and and whatnot. So, you know, I, I truly, truly are appreciative to a lot of folks for that opportunity in 2017. We were talking before we started recording. We were just remembering the first broadcast that we did, Portland, which coincidentally, Minnesota opens up their season this year against Portland out in Portland on Sunday. And you can hear that broadcast here on Score North at 6 p.m., 6 p.m. pregame, 6.30 kickoff. You can join me, Dan Terhar, Kindred E. St. Albert, and Callum Williams for that call here on Score North, scorenorth.com and the Score North mobile app, which are all free. Um, and we're just remembering that first broadcast. And I went through something similar in my first broadcast last year where I had overprepared. You had you had wrote you had written a script that first time because you just you wanted to get the history and to to connect the history to what we were experiencing that first night in the MLS. And I went through something similar my first broadcast in freaking out and over-preparing, and then I didn't remember to breathe for the first segment. Right, yeah. Or for the first show. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's just those, the adrenaline is going, that nerves are going, yeah. and whatnot. And yeah, you want to be prepared. And I discovered over my years that you want to do preparation to a certain level yeah. because you don't know what's going to happen in front of you for those next 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's really going to dictate. You can have all these great notes yep. in front of you, but if that game doesn't allow you to to use them or whatnot, mm-hmm. okay, you know. But you just you, you have some right. good things just in case it's a stinker of a game, like a five one game or something like that. Then you need notes to help fill. Yeah. That's when you start talking about fans in the crowd that are wearing certain costumes, or you talk about the dark clouds. You start finding things to yeah. talk about, uh, and so uh, you know it, it, that's where you prepare. But yeah, as you mentioned the script, I remember writing a script and I was like, okay, this can probably get me through the first segment. We're probably looking at, you know, eight, nine, ten minutes and whatnot. And I read it and I was so kind of that first game mm-hmm. as well. I was kind of like pumped up. And I read through it so quickly 
that it, I think we made it barely five minutes, and we had to go to our first break. You looked at and, me, and you're uh, like, uh, uh, "I'm out." Let's, you know, let's, let's go to so, break. Yeah, and, so it, and, half the time of us <laughs> what I was planning, and I'm like, "Okay, let's break," because I have got nothing. And, and I'm you sitting know, there, I'm like, "No, this is supposed to be ten minutes." Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. And so I was like, um, "Okay, so from this point forward, we're not going to write any scripts of that nature," because I was, I was, like mm-hmm. you said, I was exactly trying to, I was trying to tie in. The history from even from the kicks yep. back to that day, opening night of uh, uh, you know Minnesota United in, in Major League Soccer. I was trying to tie it all in together, and I had oh we're talking about the kicks and we're talking about the strikers. And we're talking... Yeah, just five minutes later, and we were done. <laughs> so you went through the entire history of Minnesota soccer in five minutes. Yeah, it's because I read so fast. That was <laughs> part of it. I went through my script so quickly because I just was so, so excited. So. And then later on that season, we had. Buzz Lagos in because one of the features that we did with that show because if people don't remember we we did the pre half and post and we simulcast the TV feed so halftime it would come back to us on the radio side and so we would one of the features is we'd talk to someone you'd get an interview during the week with someone from Minnesota soccer history yep one of the interviews that we did was with Buzz Lagos we recorded that session for probably an hour hour yeah. or so so. What you did in five minutes, we did with Buzz Lagos in an hour, and then we spread it out over, I think, four or five games. Yeah, we, that's what we did. We, it was, uh, yeah, so it was, I think, I don't remember what we had, seven or eight minutes and a mm-hmm. half or something along those lines. Uh, so we would fill the time with those interviews. I mean, Buzz is just a walking yeah, encyclopedia. He's, he's experienced everything. He was one, and then also Jorn Buholtz mm-hmm. was another. Uh, we talked to him via phone. He was down in Dallas or down in the Texas area. And we got a good like five, six, seven games out of him too, because <laughs> it was he was he experienced a lot like during the Thunder days and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we talked to him about selling the U.S. Open Cup rights to R, uh, RSL to yeah. Real Salt Lake, and then going there and beating them, yeah. as they call it, take your money and run, <laughs> you know that good stuff. And so, uh, yeah, it was it was um, you know some good conversations. It was always fun. It was nice to chat with so many people from such a wide variety and a wide background of Minnesota soccer history. So, question for you. What are your thoughts on how you've seen the club grow over the last three years in MLS, including how you've seen this fan base grow from what they were when they were up at up in Blaine to now having Allianz Field, one of the best stadiums in MLS? You know, it's been very interesting to me because when we were up at the Nessie, mm-hmm. up in Blaine, uh, I would see that same big group of folks, and I knew everybody's name, and mm-hmm. I, I had met everybody and whatnot. Nowadays, I go to these events and I walk by folks and they're fans and they're part of the dark clubs or they're part of True North Elite or or one of the supporter groups. And I've I've never seen them before. You know, I've never I've never had the opportunity to meet them. And I love meeting folks. So yeah. it's like, it, hey, if you're out and about, if you're listening to this podcast and then you're out and about and see me, please come up and say hello. Right. I love meeting new folk. And um, that's one thing for me that that's what made me realize how big this is become mm-hmm. in the state is all of these different faces that I've never seen before over the years past uh, and such, but it's been great. And, you know, and what's so funny is that because of my history, those folks who I haven't had the opportunity to meet, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. And so they'll, they'll go, Oh, that's Chris, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> right. Um, but I, you know, I love, love meeting everybody. And that's, that's been the main thing that I've noticed is how many new faces I have seen at all the different events. What were your thoughts on Allianz Field, first season of it? Fantastic. Yeah. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. All the sight lines are great. I would, 
So I would go to the games uh, these last couple of years with, uh, or last year with my my son mm-hmm. and his uh, now fiance. So with Thomas and Haley. And Congrats! Thank you, thank you. Yeah, they make a wonderful couple. They, you know, he is uh, he's very much um, his mother's son because uh, he uh, he's a smart guy. He uh, has you know good head on his shoulders. So he got that all from his mom, <laughs> not from me, as everybody knows. Um, so I would go with the two of them and. And so it was an opportunity for me. I would sit with them kind of the first half. And then the second half, I'd get up and kind of wander about and just kind of take in the game yeah. and take in this, the atmosphere from different uh, locations throughout the stadium. And it didn't matter where I went uh, in the stadium. It was so great. And the sight lines and the, and the, with the roof over the top, oh. keeping the sound in and whatnot. And like for yourself, when you're up in the, in the press box, uh, getting to hear uh, Wonderwall sung at the end, yeah, and it, all that sound just stays in, yeah. and it's got to be just fantastic. So. so we have how we do it is we there's two main uh, broadcast booths that are generally for TV, but most teams don't travel their TV, so we get the other TV broadcast booth, which is like dead in the middle of the field. It's perfect. I think it's on like the second level. It's perfect sight lines. But if some team does travel their TV. Then we get bumped over to the auxiliary radio booth, which is literally right above the Wonder Wall, and it's it's almost better because it you get that sound right on top of it. Sure. Problem is, I don't project well, so I have to project even more when we're over there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I. So by the end of the ninety minutes, my voice is just dead. Yep, I I totally understand. (laughs) I totally understand. Well, when we were doing the games, um, when I was at TCF Bank Stadium. Mm It's like eight miles yeah. up there. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, and, and um, but I still have um, video of one of the first times that Wonderwall was sung at TCF Bank Stadium. Yeah. And the sound, because all the sound was coming up at me. It was so That's great. Amazing. Yeah. So I, you know, when I'm in the mood and I'm trying to get through the off season, get ready for the next season, get excited about it. I'll just pop that video on and just listen to the you know dark clouds and everybody singing Wonderwall. It's great. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic. And hearing it in Allianz Field with, like you said, the roof over you that keeps the sound in, it just bounces right back onto the field. It's it's an amazing experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and even Thomas and Haley um, were loving it. And Thomas has has come to a lot of games. He would always mm-hmm. come with me in years past. And then when we get to the National Sports Center. He'd go hang out with the dark clouds and hang out at the tailgate and all mm-hmm. that type of stuff. And now we've gotten Haley involved and, and she's, you know, loving it and she, you know, puts up with Thomas and I. And she's <laughs> she's a wonderful young lady. So we're we're happy that she'll be, you know, joining the family. So moving on to current day loons, they open up their season, as we mentioned earlier, this Sunday against Portland, which is kind of similar to how it opened up four years ago out in Portland. This time they're closing MLS me- match week one instead of opening it. Hopefully the result is much different as well. Hopefully the Loons can get the opening season win. Um, one new face that I want to start off on for the Loons, Tyler Miller, goalkeeper, formerly of LAFC, Vito Minone, as we all know, decided to stay in Europe. Uh, Tyler Miller comes in. He's a different goalkeeper. And for the non-soccer nerds out there, I want you to explain what the difference is between Tyler Miller and Vito Minone. Tyler Miller is known as more of an aggressive keeper. So what does that exactly mean? So Vito was primarily anchored to his goal line. He make take a step or two off, wouldn't come out, you know, for loose balls too terribly often. Uh, Tyler Miller is the opposite. Uh, there is no chain or anchor holding Tyler to his goal line. So he'll come out on crosses. He'll come out on loose balls, and he'll come out and throw his body, pounce on top of that ball. Mm-hmm. And um, there's good and bad to that. Uh, 
it is a matter of, of just being smart. And as a goalkeeper myself, I was always taught if there's even an inkling of doubt that you can't get that ball, don't go. Mm-hmm. But if you know 100% you can get it, you go. So we're going to see a lot more of when these breakaways come in, we're going to see Tyler Miller come out a lot more. And one thing that that does, coming out and cutting off the angle, it makes the shooting area for the forwards smaller. Right. And that's kind of good because when you get Vito, who would kind of stay closer to go, now there's more space for the forwards to shoot. Tyler uh, minimizes that space. Yeah. And, and, and I'm okay with that type of, of aggressive goalkeeper as long as it's smart. Yeah. So you like an aggressive keeper more than the kind of keeper that stays anchored or is there pluses and minuses? There's there are, obviously pluses and minuses with both. Yeah, there are. And uh, to me, I prefer that that sort of aggressive. I like that aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit it, more exciting. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, the one thing that kind of going back to the game last year where Vito came out, the one of the very few times he came out and mm-hmm. got called for the penalty kick, then he ended up saving it. Oh, one but of the he, best moments. It should have never happened. Yeah, true. That moment, that <laughs> save, yes, it erupted Allianz Field. You're absolutely right. It was one of the biggest pops of all Yeah, it was huge. It, was awesome. it, it, it rivaled Ozzy's first goal at yeah. Allianz, you know, that type of thing. But that moment should never happen because Vito came <laughs> right. out and we don't know why Vito came out and whatnot. I don't know if Vito knows why Vito came out. And but he you know, he he redeemed himself. He made the save and whatnot. But yes, I, I like a really good penalty kick taker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, exactly. And yeah. and shut him down. And so, you know, I think Vito in his head is like, I probably shouldn't have gone. I need to make up for it. <laughs> yeah. And he did. He did. To his credit, he did. Um uh one thing about Tyler Miller as well, he seems much more to me, a little more athletic mm-hmm. to where if there's a shot going in the upper 90, he's got a chance at getting it. Yeah. And you see some of these shots that no keeper has a chance. Tyler Miller, he might have a chance at getting those Tyler's that are in the upper as, corner. Tyler's not as bulky and big and muscular as Vito yeah. is. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that uh, there can be pros and cons to that as mm-hmm. well, especially especially when you're going into a, you know cross comes in and you're going into you know everybody's running towards you and you're running towards the group for you know to go pick a cross out of the air mm-hmm. you know if you're not as bulky you know it's it's uh you can get hit a little harder mm-hmm. maybe not it'd be a solid but it's you know what as long as he gets it nobody's going to care so besides his aggressive play style what's your thoughts on Tyler Miller what he can bring to Minnesota United who had 11 clean sheets last year they had their best defense in MLS um in their MLS run, what's your thoughts on what Tyler Miller will bring to this Loon's defense this season? Well, I think that he will be a matter of, um, you know, if if a ball does get through, mm-hmm. uh, there's a miscommunication along the back line, something along those lines. He might, he could become kind of more of a sweeper keeper type um, to help kind of clean that stuff up. Uh, the back line, as we all know, played extremely well last year. All four year. back, which is yeah, all four back great. exactly. And it's going to be an adjustment for those four now to have a keeper behind them uh, like Tyler because he's so opposite of Vito, where Vito st- you know, stayed back, as we talked about. So now they, the back line, need to hustle and get back and mm-hmm. clean that stuff up, where now Tyler may come out. Um, but at the same time, Tyler goes out and doesn't get it. Now the defense <laughs> has to go hang out in right. goal and do what they can, <laughs> that type of thing. So it, it's going to be very, very interesting uh, to see, but just like I said, it needs to be just smart from Tyler Miller. How long does that adjustment take for the new goalkeeper with his back line and the back line with their new goalkeeper? 
Well, I think they the amount of time that they've been together now with all the training, with the preseason, they've gotten mm-hmm. game action together. Yeah. Now, one thing, though, is like, for example, in uh, Portland, Ike didn't play. Right. And so it might be a couple, you know, two, three game adjustment, uh, you know, actual game action for those two to figure out each other. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know, during, there's been training. There's been all of that. So they've had their opportunity. But practice and training and game, as we all know, are completely yeah. different animals. Since we're talking about the starters, we'll stick with them. We'll go to the depth that this club has built in a little bit here. The Loons returning with the back four intact, along with two midfielders in front of them. What is that stability? It's the first time we've seen that much stability along that specific part of the field for the Loons as they or since they've been in MLS. What's that do for them this year going forward? They are now uh, going into this season five steps ahead of where they were last year. And having that continuity, having that comfort level between the four and then, you know, Greg Ush and and, and Alonzo in front of them or whoever may be in front, uh, that makes a huge, huge difference, especially from a defensive standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to kind of anchor your defense, make sure that's good. Because you can have the greatest forward in the world or a couple great forwards and they can score goal, 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 goal. But if you have a stinking defense <laughs> and a poor keeper, who cares? It might end up being, you know, the great forward scores four, but the stinking defense gives up five. Right. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Now here, you anchor up your defense. You bring in a quality keeper like Tyler Miller. And now you've got that. Now you can start working forward. You can start working up the field and improving bits and pieces here. And I think that's what Minnesota has done a pretty nice job. And I think they had the advantage, the coaching staff, the front office had the advantage of the fact being that those four along the back line were all coming back. Um, Chase Gasper, him and Sonny Dotson entering sophomore seasons. I don't think it'll happen because these two seem like good kids. They seem like they're really good at what they do, what the coaches ask of them, and they've got good coaching. How likely are they to fall into sophomore slums? I don't think so. I'm kind yeah. of I'm kind of with you, Jonathan. That that I'm not too terribly worried about it. Uh, with Chase, the only thing would be where his mindset is from a mm-hmm. standpoint of Minnesota United or U.S. National Team, right? Uh, you know, making sure he's focused and and uh, to where he actually is at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Hassani, you know, he you know scores was a bangers or whatever the heck they call it. <laughs> um, all he does is hit bangers and. Now, and of course, the goals that get you into the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he's scoring these goals. Now maybe focus a little bit on the defensive uh, mm-hmm. part of it. And now with his attack, now we start working on the defense. Now he becomes a much better, more well-rounded player yeah. offensively, defensively. And he becomes an gr- even greater asset yeah. to Minnesota. Um, Ozzy Alonso, the guy who's who Hassani Dotson kind of wants to model his game after, it seems. He played 27 games in nearly 2,400 minutes last year. There's no way he repeats that at 34, is there? It all depends upon Ozzy. Yeah. You know, it all depends upon his his focus. His, I would uh, love to see it because it means yeah. good things for the Loons. But that's a lot of a lot you're asking of a 34-year-old. Yeah, but at what point is too old in soccer? That's, that's what I would like yeah. to know. You know, when, when players, you've got... You know, guys in their 40s playing in different sports and whatnot, and they're doing just fine. Look at football mm-hmm. players. Yeah. Now, now, granted, football player, and yes, um, you know, you got quarterbacks who, yeah, they, they take a hit here and there and mm-hmm. whatnot. It takes a little bit out of you. And granted, they're not running for 90 minutes or the majority 90 minutes. Um, but for me, 34 to is 
not a worrisome age. I okay. think I, I really think that Ozzy will be. I uh, loved what be, he brought last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely. Just, that. Yeah. I don't think I don't think there's any. I wouldn't expect any sort of drop off. Uh, I think no, he's going to. He's still going to be one yeah, of the best. Yeah, he's going to be the professional. He's going to prepare himself and and what and I and my vibe that I get is. Ozzy will be truthful. He's not going to try and hang on too right. long. When he's going to say, you know what, enough is enough. I can't play at the level that I want to play at anymore, or whatnot. This is it. He'll he'll hang it up. Right. And uh, as long as he's not saying that, I believe in him. His uh, midfield partner Jan Gregush got much more comfortable throughout the season and became one of the better midfielders in the league. What's Gregush's ceiling with this club and in this league? It's up to him. It's up to him as to to what level he wants to take his game at, what level he, you know, how many steps up he wants to go. I think for him, he was promoted coming in as hitting a, you know, being able to hit those long range shots, which I've seen him practice a couple times already this season. Okay, well, let's see him in games. Yeah, you know, that's he the did thing. the one in against the Galaxy that got him their one goal in the playoffs. Yeah, but, but again, it, yeah. it, how many did we see from long range? From long range, not, yeah. not too many. So much so that we can't even really think right. of any. If there was, they were consistent, mm-hmm. then we'd be able to start naming the games. But that's the thing. He needs to um, just find the right time to try and hit those. Because there were times during the season last year that he, I think he was trying to make something out of really nothing mm-hmm. and hit these long-range shots, and it just wasn't working. He was off, off target, putting them into the stands and whatnot. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to do that. And maybe... Maybe he felt that he needed to do that a little bit more because of who was in front of him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there wasn't that sort of big target forward that he could play yeah. into or whatnot. Maybe that dictated. It wasn't a consistent goal threat near the end of the season. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. You know, if, if there were, you know, a player up there that really had the focus of the def- the opposing defense, now maybe he could, you know, go in a little bit closer and hit shots. Or maybe he felt the pressure. It's like, okay, it's on me. I got to do this. Someone's got to score. Yeah, right. exactly. It could be that as well. Um, I'm kind of working my way up up the field here. Kevin Molino, Ethan Finley, now two seasons removed from the ACL injuries. We've seen in other sports that generally the second season is when players return to what they used to be. Um, do we expect either of those? What do we expect from either of those two this season? Because I think, I think with more playing time, with with another season – under their belt after the injury, I think they'll be back to form. I, I would agree. I would agree because that first year um, after coming back, or even though you know those first few games for sure, but then that first season, you're a little nervous. You're yeah. a little tentative. I get it. I mm-hmm. would be too if if I went through it. Now the strength is back, the confidence is back, and whatnot. So I'm gonna I'm expecting those two to to step it up a little bit more. Uh, you know, you can't ask a lot. Any really more when it comes to hustle out of Ethan uh, up the right side and such. I mean, you just running back. Great work yeah. rate up the wing for Minnesota. Now it's just a matter of finishing those opportunities yeah. for him. That's a big thing. Um, but uh, no, I, I, I'm i with you. I, don't, both I, those I think two, they're going to be pretty good to yeah. form. Both those two will probably play quite a bit because, you know, whether the Reynoso, the rumored Reynoso deal goes through or not, whether it happens or not. If it doesn't happen, Kevin Molino's probably going to play at that 10. Ethan Finley's going to probably play on the right side. Robin Lode is probably going to play on that left side with Luis Amaria up top. And I like that attack. I think that attack's good. I like what I've seen from Amaria in the little bit of preseason that I've watched so far. Um, sticking with the attack, does Mason Toy take that next step? 
because we saw him score six goals, 17 appearances last year, 800 minutes. Does he take that next step, and what is that next step for him? I think so, because with with I think it's a whole nother level now with with Minnesota United and from the standpoint of the the coaching staff, the technical staff, they're bringing in, you know, they're trying to bring in stronger and stronger players. Yeah. So you get a young guy like Mason Toy, he's going to have to start competing for minutes. And, and, and that type of stuff does nothing but bring out, you know, the, the a player and making them want to step up their game. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of for Mason Toy, it's like, yeah, no, I want to play. I want to score some goals and whatnot. Right. And who do I have to step on and step over to be the starter? Oh, okay, it's that guy. Oh, it's that guy. It's Luis right, Maria who, who yeah. promised 25 goals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it, it's a matter now. It's it's kind of, you know, in Mason Toys, you know, it's up to him to, mm-hmm. to whether he really wants to. If he doesn't, well, then, you know, he's not going to see the field. But if he wants to be the hero on a regular basis, yeah. it's up to him. But, yeah. He'll be part of the depth that this team, they they made a concerted effort, it seemed, in this offseason to go out and get depth. They got... They got Raheem Edwards. They got Noah Billingsley in the draft. James Musa from from Phoenix. Jose Aya, uh, Marlon Harrison, Ja'Cory Hayes, Aaron Schoenfeld, among the depth that they've added. That's a whole lot of depth that they've added. They're very proud of that, it seems like, that they've gone out and got these guys who, outside of maybe Musa and Billingsley, would have been starters for sure in the squad the first two seasons. Mm-hmm. Especially like Raheem Edwards. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of his. I, I love what him. I've seen from him so far. Yeah, I, re, I remember him from a few years, you know, a couple years back and whatnot when he was with Toronto. And uh, yeah, I liked what I saw out of him uh, back then. I'm glad we brought him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's a matter of, yeah, that, but that's the thing. With depth, you have some quality people yeah. on the bench. It's going to be a lot of competition, and yeah, that's good for absolutely. everybody. It goes back to what we were just talking about with Mason Toy. That competition for starter mm-hmm. for minutes, competition for the starting spot, does nothing but bring out the best out of everybody. Right. And that's exactly what you're going to see. You're going to always get the best because these starters, each and every game, are going to know that they earned it and therefore, but they haven't necessarily kept it. Who's that the, kept that spot. Who's the one in that depth? And I think I may know this answer just based off how, you, how you've been talking about him. Who's the one from that depth, those depth guys, that you think will make the biggest impact? Is it going to be Raheem? I, I think so. Yeah. I, th- I absolutely do. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be the one. I think that's really going to to, to step it up, um, and and come out and and make a difference. And he's going to be one. You know, after what one or two games, everybody was a Roman Metinier, uh yeah. fan. I think still after, am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I think it's going to be that same sort of situation where uh, after a few games, a couple of performances, people will start kind of noticing Raheem Edwards, right. and we're gonna, you know, all of a sudden he'll have some sort of song saying for him out of Wonderwall. Who knows? <laughs> all right, so a couple minutes here, a couple minutes left here. Let's make some predictions as we head into the season opener against Portland. Where do the Loons finish? We'll start off there. Uh, I, you know, right around four or five. Okay, I think so. Uh, Western Conference is tough. You know, it's it's very tough. You know, starting out in L.A. and all of that, but uh, no, I think it's going to be they're going to be right around, right around where they were last, right year. around where yeah. they la- yeah last year. I you know they brought in all these players, but it's a matter of now as a whole as a unit taking that next step. And next year, twenty twenty one, it might be a if they keep this same crew, maybe it'll be a, a two three type thing. Right, uh, but right now I think it's a four five. See, I think. For me, just doing, just looking into what they brought in, how they played so far, and the little bit of preseason that I watched, and 
looking at what other teams did in the Western Conference, yeah, the Western Conference got a whole lot better this year with LA Galaxy getting rid of getting rid of the Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who didn't move at the top. Now they got Chicharito, who does move at the top. But everybody else got a lot better as well. I still think that this team can finish three or four. I, I have this feeling that they're going to get another home playoff game. I think they'll actually win one, win it this time. They know what will, what it takes to get into the to win a playoff game this time. Mm-hmm. So I, for some reason, I have that feeling that three, four, and if they get Reynoso in, I think he can look a little bit higher because he's, I mean, he's the number ten for Boca Juniors. True, true. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that kind of yeah. that four more than five. I've been told I've been told I'm a little bit too optimistic about it, but whatever. I'm okay. Optimistic with that. and overprepared, right? Those <laughs> yes. are two O's. Yes. yes. Um I mentioned it earlier. Luis Amaria promised he'd score twenty five. We've seen four goals from him in four preseason games. Are they gonna get it? I, I don't I don't think so. <laughs> he's gonna Does he get double digits? Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think he's gonna he you know, mid to high teens. He, yeah. might, he might get to the 20 mark, mm-hmm. um, 25. Wait, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um, I hope he gets 25, but, you know, I don't want us to give up 26, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and whatnot. Uh, but, no, I think it's um, yeah, mid mid to high teens, and he might hit that 20 mark. We had Adrian Heath on the Mackie and Judd with Rami show today, and I asked him the same question. I mean, Luis Amaria promised it at your press conference. Can he hit it? And he goes, well, if he does, he's he's probably going to win MVP. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, if he hits yeah. 25, this team makes the playoffs in the three or four seed. I think, I think that's good enough to be in the MVP conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I would have to go agree with that. For a guy they brought on in on one. loan. Yeah, exactly. I think that you'd be forced to buy him at that point. Um, Ike Opara, does he repeat as defender of the year? Does he become only the second person ever to win it three times? And only, I think, the third or fourth person to win it twice in a row. I don't see why not. I mean, he, you know, he could, he could, I can't think off the top of my head, somebody that could, you know, they brought in defensively, any team is brought in defensively that is going to make as big of an impact or right. be that much of a difference like Ico Parra was for Minnesota United last year. You would have thought so, if, if anybody would have had the chance, it would have been the guy who finished second last year in Walker Zimmerman, but he was traded from LAFC to Nashville, which I don't think if you're a really great defender on Nashville, no offense to Nashville, you're 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 an expansion club. We've seen what expansion clubs have done. I don't think that he's going to be in that same conversation because he's not going to have the team in front of him that he did last year in LAFC. Right, and these these defender of the year, these forwards of the all of those of the year, mm-hmm. you know, individual awards, um, are a lot on the individual, but a lot as much on the team around them. Right. And it, to, exactly to your point, uh, Walker Zimmerman. We'll we'll see how with with Nashville. Uh, you don't know. I mean, you, they may come out and be surprised, you know, expansion team. Who knows? But, um, you know, I like uh, you have to like Ike's chances as long as he plays at the same level, if not better, than he did last yeah. year. All right, so who finishes in the playoffs for the Western Conference? We mentioned that it's gotten a lot better. So who do you think is going to finish in the playoffs? Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think LAFC makes a return. Mm-hmm. You this- think they're number one? I don't like getting rid of Walker Zimmerman because yeah, but, of what he meant. But I know they've got I know they've got great depth along that back line in Bob Bradley. Right, right. That that's the key right there. Yeah. Um, but LAFC, Minnesota, Minnesota returns. Mm-hmm. Galaxy uh, probably do. Galaxy, yeah, because they have. I'm not a fan of their defense either. 
No, no. But I like uh, their attack, and I like that it's going to move a lot more than it did last year. Which I mean, that's saying a lot because that's not saying much because Zlatan Ibrahimovic, no matter how much I loved him, he didn't move that much. No. No, he just kind of hung out and waited for you to get the ball to and him. And yelled at you if you didn't get him the ball correctly. Correct. In the right way, at the right <laughs> angle, with the right foot, yeah. you know, all that type of stuff. Um, Portland? Who were, who the Loons yeah, play on Sunday? Yeah, they could be, yeah, they, yeah, they could, they could sneak they in there. They always hang around there. there. Yeah, they're always right up there in the conversation each and every year, and it seems to be something right at the end yeah. that kind of does them in. But. SC Dallas have got a lot of young kids, but they made it last year. They gave Seattle a hell of a game, one of, probably one of the better games in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. Can they return? Uh, possibly, you know, possibly, yeah, Seattle would have to be. I don't think know. the one team from last year that made it that I don't think is going to return this year is Real Salt Lake. I didn't like their offseason. Yeah, I would have to agree. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they didn't, didn't really do much, much for yeah, me, and they, they were lost pretty a lot. Quiet and, yeah, exactly. So, you know, like the Seattles, the LAFC, Galaxy, Minnesota, those would be some of the ones. Um I'm also interested in seeing how Houston does this year Um, with the Christian Ramirez-Darwin Quintero Mm -hmm. uh, combo. Tab Ramos, his first year as the coach there. Yeah, he's going to change things around. And if you remember back uh, with Darwin's first year uh, with Minnesota, he had a a lot of success and such because he had time and and space to hit these chips and all Mm -hmm. of that type of thing. And a lot had to do with the off-the-ball runs by Christian Ramirez. And that's one of the, kind of the, to me, underrated parts of Christian's game is, is his off-the-ball runs. Now those two are back together. Because once Christian left, was, you know, traded, Darwin's productivity, you know, a productivity kind of drop a bit. Mm-hmm. Because now he was getting the attention. Now, in Houston, I'm interested to see how, okay. they, how they do from that standpoint. Um, Sporting KC, they had a rare down year for them. Do they return? I think they, for me, I think they return in place of Real Salt Lake. Yeah, I, I yeah, they they would. Um, they got Alan Polito up top. So they finally spent a lot of money in the off season. Brought in one of the best attackers from Liga MX. I think they got significantly better. Yeah, they answered. You know, their off year last year, they they responded. They realized <laughs> Peter Vermees is you know not going to put up with it two years in a row, <laughs> and so they made they made an effort. And so yeah, they could be another one. You know, kind of sneaking into that last playoff spot. Yeah. What do we think of Nashville? They spent a lot and they they added a lot or put a lot of focus on getting defense because they didn't want to end up like Cincinnati did last year or Minnesota yeah, did the I, first year. Exactly. And I I think that is that's kind of their focus. They just uh they they know they, they're gonna lose some games. They mm-hmm. just don't want to lose some games like seven to one yeah. and you know, Six to two, and things. And Atlanta along those comes lines. in for your first home game, so we yeah, know how that it's going to be a very good test, right, right off the bat for Nashville and and whatnot. And and uh, a friend of ours, Brad Baker, is now down there with mm-hmm. with Nashville, and Jamie Watson as well. Ja- yep, Jamie is headed down there, and and such, and getting an opportunity to be in the booth and and whatnot. But um, yeah, on the field, it's I'm predicting Nashville will do considerably better than Cincinnati did. By the way, is it uh, gold or neon yellow their jersey? It's like that that dress like four years ago. Is <laughs> yeah, it blue, blue or, or is it gold? They claim it's gold. That don't look gold. Yeah, no. It's as long as it's yeah. Who cares? You know, it's it's really <laughs> in all honesty for me. Who cares? It's, all of the it's, kits. It's are, a yellow, or if it's a gold, it's yeah. still a version of yellow. All of the kits pale in comparison to what Minnesota United will be wearing this year. 
Yeah, yeah, they got brought the, back the loon wing. Yeah, they finally they listened to the fans. Everybody had been wanting the wing for years and years. Adidas and they, finally let them do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I think because of this being the twenty fifth year, or whatever mm-hmm. it is, um, I think that's why. If yeah. this was the twenty fourth year, the twenty sixth year, we don't see the wing. But because right. it's the twenty fifth year and an a big anniversary, that's why everybody got the wing back. All right, last prediction here. We'll end kind of where we started. Does Tyler Miller surpass Vito's clean sheet total from from last season, which he got eleven? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, I think it's gonna he's gonna be just under so eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. Okay, uh, maybe more like nine, ten. It's uh, yeah, I I just can't see it. I think because of the standpoint of the way Tyler plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming out and being that aggressive goalkeeper like we talked about at the beginning, uh, we're going to see a goal given up here and there because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, it'll be hopefully goals that don't matter. You know, it's our, Minnesota already has four on the scoreboard, and he gives up one late um, to make it a 4-1 final. Yeah, that I think that's going to be the difference will be um, the fact of how Tyler plays. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. For my thank first you. episode. Yeah, thanks for allowing me to be the, the first guest. I, I really promised you three it. years ago that you if did, I ever got a podcast, we would you would be my first guest. You got it. Yeah, Jonathan Harrison, a man of his word. <laughs> three years later, it, it finally comes Doesn't around. matter when it happened, it happened. So yeah. thank you so, very much. I appreciate you coming on and joining me here on the Loon Talk podcast. We will be back next week. Minnesota takes on Portland. You can hear that here on Score North. 6 p.m. broadcast, pregame kickoff, 630 kickoff for the game you can join myself dan terhar callum williams and kindred d st Aubin. we will be bringing you the game right here on score north that's been the loon talk podcast thanks for coming your story it lives in river city where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives.